as we uh, prepare during this uh, month of December, as well prepare to celebrate Christmas and the birth of Christ, and I uh, hope everybody's getting everything ready for that. It's for a great time of celebration, but uh, we're about to start our service in just a moment, and we just want to invite you to uh, let everyone know if you're watching online that we're about to start so they can join us if they haven't already. And uh, we're going to go before the Lord in prayer as we begin the service this morning. For this day, we thank you for this time together. We thank you that you were here to bless us and to show us your ways. We pray that you'll give us ears to hear and eyes to see what you have for us this day. And we just thank you for it now as we begin this service in worship of you. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. We're going to praise him and thank him for all of his goodness and kindness. Father God, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for this day and for all your blessings. We thank you for what you're about to do in this service, and we hand it over to you wholeheartedly. In Jesus' name, and all the saints said, I don't want to be afraid, because these times I face the waves. I don't want to be afraid. I don't want to be afraid. I don't want to fear the storm, just because I hear it roar. I don't want to fear the storm. I don't want to fear the storm. Believe that faith 
Guys up in me, let's sing that Let faith rise up, oh heart, believe Let faith rise up in me time amen 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 Jesus name mm-hmm. let's sing this you give you give a light you are a love you bring light to the darkness you give hope you restore every heart that is broken great are you Oh, 
Mm-hmm. 
portion of the service we're gonna as always have an opportunity for prayer if you're praying about anything or praying in partnership with anything for anyone in your family we would love to believe with you for a breakthrough for a miracle for restoration for a change in scenery for a financial increase for healing for anything we would be honored to believe with you so for the next few minutes as we sing this newer song and praise Jesus even more this morning, we just want to open the altar and our staff and prayer team will be down here to pray and believe with you. There was a moment when the lights went out When death had claimed its victory the king of love had given up his life The darkest day in history There on a cross they made for sinners For every curse his blood atoned One breath and it was finished but not the end we could have known for the earth began to shake and the veil was torn what sacrifice was made as the heavens she makes all hail King Jesus all hail the Lord of heaven and earth all hail King Jesus all hail the Savior of the Eternity, the King 
Everybody say amen. 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 Give the Lord a good hand clap if you will. Amen. Amen. While they continue to pray, let's just just lift our hands for a moment further. Father, we thank you right now. We just praise you, Father. Give you glory and honor. Right now, Father, I'm just prompted to prophesy over people today that, Father, your hand of goodness is made known to them. That, Father, your hand of strength has stretched out towards them. Your good hand of favor right now, Father, opens up to them. And we receive it, Father. We receive it, Father. Thank you, Father, for healing being manifested in everyone's body. Supernatural, divine protection is over their body. Father, I'm prompted uh, because of something I was told this morning. Father, we pray right now for Community Bible Church. Uh, I don't know what they're going through, but, Father, I know it's tragic. 
And we thank you, Father, in Jesus' name that you bless that church. We ask you, Father, to surround them by your spirit with faith, with hope, with love, and that, Father, they would know without any question that you love them, you are gracious unto them, that you are not finished with them, uh, the families in that church that are affected. And Father, we thank you in Jesus' name. We, we bless them, Father. We bless them and we ask you, Father, for your goodness to be made known to them. Stretch forth your hand and heal their hearts, their lives, their bodies, their minds. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And everybody say amen. amen. Give me a better amen. Amen. Do me a favor, everybody stand up. And uh, if you will, step out of your chair, turn around, greet somebody. If you want to, walk around and greet them.
Hallelujah. Amen. Glory to God. Glory to God. Amen. Amen. Let's try to herd the cats back in town. Amen. Hallelujah. So good to have everybody this morning. Amen. If you got your Bibles, um, I, I'm just going to use this verse as we get ready for our um, Sunday morning tithes and offerings. Um, if you need an offering envelope, they are in front of you. And uh, I'm trying to see who that is. Okay. Amen. Uh, I just want to use this verse, uh, actually about three or four. This is from Proverbs chapter three. It's verse 13. It says, happy is the man who finds wisdom and the man who gains understanding. For her proceeds are better than the profits of silver, her gain than fine gold. She's more precious than rubies and all the things you may desire cannot compare with her. Length of days is in her right hand and in her left hand riches and honor. Who in here knows that wisdom is a beautiful thing to have? And it is, if you will, wisdom is Jesus. It is the spirit of God. It is the word of God. It is the, the, the personality of God. And who in here knows that when we have wisdom, we have what? The promise of length of days in our right hand and in, his, in her left hand, riches and honor. So not only do we get the promise of a good long life, we have the promise of being blessed. And whenever we walk in that and we walk in his wisdom, God is always remindful of his covenant, always pays attention. And so as we get ready to give today, and I don't have my phone with me, I left it over there. I always like to pray with it, I'll hold my Bible. Um, as we get ready to give today, uh, thank you to everybody who took part in the tree outside. I know yesterday there was, I think, one gift left. Well, thank you, sir. There was one gift left uh, that, that nobody had gotten, so I was going to bring it up, but somebody's already got it this morning. And I think most people have brought them in, your presents. And if you haven't, please uh, let me know. Uh, we got to get those to them this week. Um, and so we can pick them up, meet you here, whatever we need to do. Can I have an amen? amen. As soon as I say amen, uh, youth will be dismissed. Sarah in the back. And uh, amen. So look at somebody and say, I believe. I believe. It's a good time. To be obedient, to tithe, to give, to live, to harvest, to have fun. Amen. Y'all are having too much fun right there, okay? Just you two right there. Just too much fun, and I like that. Father, in Jesus' name, we take our offering and our tithing and our, uh, as a serious uh, matter. We honor you, Father, right now with our fruit of, our, of the labor of our hands the sweat of our brow. We thank you, Father, that you said that if we would find wisdom, that we would have length of days and you would meet our needs. You would give us riches and honor. So, Father, we, we thank you for that so that we can do one thing that the book of Deuteronomy says, so that we may establish the gospel and we may preach this gospel. So, Father, we thank you right now that as we give, it's given back good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. Do men give into our lives according to Luke 6.38. And we thank you, Father, also that you open up windows from heaven. Not window, windows from heaven. And you rebuke the devourer for our sake. And we thank you, Father, that our harvest never ceases in the field. It always comes to fruition in Jesus' name. And everybody says, amen. God bless you as you give.
Well, is everybody ready for Christmas? Okay, let me see. let's have a show of hands. Let's have some fun. Let's be honest in the kingdom, because if not, we're going to hell. Can I have an amen? Liars will have their place in the lake of fire. Um, if you're ready for Christmas, raise your hand. If you're not ready for Christmas, raise your hand. Okay, people, y'all have known about this full year. Can I have an amen? I'm just telling you, okay? It's not like President Biden just created this holiday and all of a sudden we're caught off guard, amen? I'm not ready either. I've got a fuss at a mail order company who's delivered by package somewhere else. And um, I got to fight for that. Amen. But who in here knows it's a good season? Amen. It's a fun season. Um, kids enjoy it. Parents enjoy it. Um, you know, as you get older, you don't really want anything. Because you got enough money to go buy it if you want it. And um, then the other side is um, the things that you value, you can't put a price on. Uh, that's just being with the people you love. And so uh, I encourage you to enjoy your family. We just had a big family thing yesterday with Lisa's family in Greenville, and that's always fun. And um, my brother-in-law actually sent me a text Thanksgiving Day, and his wife sent me a text Thanksgiving Day. But I didn't see my brother-in-law's text, but I saw my sister-in-law's text. So I sent her a text back, and he, first thing he came up, he says, he goes, I don't even want to talk to you anymore. And I said, well, praise the Lord for the God, the, the God of victory. I said, uh, what has brought this blessedness on or something? He goes, I sent you a text and you didn't respond. I said, well, there's a reason. He said, why? I said, because I love her and I don't love you. Can I have an amen? <laughs> I love him. I love him. I love picking him. So I pulled my phone out and sure enough, he had and I found it. So I sent him one that said, Merry Christmas. Love you too. And uh, so I've already beat him to the punch. So, amen. so enjoy your family. Amen. It's too short. If you have your Bibles, throw me to Luke chapter 2. And uh, we're going to read seven verses there, and then we're going to jump all the way back to the book of Genesis, which is early, uh, you know, that's the first book. Luke chapter 2, this should be very common to everybody during uh, Christmas time. It came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This census first took place while Quinius was governing Syria. So all went to be registered, everyone in his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David to be registered with Mary, the betrothed, his betrothed wife, who was with child. So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling clothes, laid him in a manger because there was no room for the inn. Now, in verse 7 there, uh, that manger was a feed trough. Uh, I used to think that it was the manger you see, you know, the little you know, A-frame hut kind of thing. But it was actually a, a trough, wood trough, stone trough. Um, who in here has ever heard this story before? Say amen. amen. Who in here loves this story? Amen. I love the beauty of it. Now, when I hear it and read it, I always think of Peanuts cartoons. And I think of Linus quoting that verse as a child. I remember hearing that. And I heard it in church, but I remember just, you know, because as a kid, we didn't have YouTube. We just got peanuts once a year. And that was it. So, you know, we, we stayed up late. Going with the, not going with the, what was it? The Wizard of Oz once a year. Santa Claus is coming to town once a year. Frosty the Snowman once a year. Those, those animation things, peanuts. I mean, those were the big nights. Can I have an amen? When you're, when you're four, that's it. That's it. 
Now this is a prophetic culmination of thousands of years. This took, this was prophesied thousands of years before it would ever take place, is that right? Now, and, and what's funny is you hear people and they wanna question the validity of scripture and there are more historical evidence of Jesus' resurrection than there are other works of antiquities. They say to, to, for something to be you know, considered a, value, um, um, a certified antiquity, it has to have two, three, maybe four cross-references. You can't just pull a piece of paper out of the desert and say, this is 4,000 years old, we know, no, or 3,000 or whatever. It has to have two or three, at least, cross-references or cross-mentions. The resurrection has anywhere from 10 to 12 historical references. So the Bible in and of itself is also very shocking because the prophecies that were about Jesus were written by men hundreds if not thousands of years before who never knew him, never knew the family, did not know. You, you think about Daniel. Daniel had this vision of the end times and then didn't, be, we were talking about, then didn't even get to do anything with it. Isn't that fun? Can I have an Amen. I wish God would speak to me like Daniel. You may find out something's gonna happen a thousand years from now. Never gonna tell anybody. I mean, you can just go around and start telling people. God showed me stuff. What? I can't tell you. I'm just like Daniel. And there's some truth in that to an extent, especially about your own life. Or there should be. But in this passage here, this is a culmination of prophecy. This prophecy had been given. Now, if you have your Bibles, you could actually go all the way back to Genesis, um, the very, very beginning, because who in here remembers that passage where Jesus, I'm sorry, Jesus, where God told Satan himself, he said, her seed will bruise your head. So there in the garden, after the fall, this is in Genesis 3, there, there is a direct prophecy of the coming of Jesus and what he's gonna do. And ever since that moment, Satan has been, I, I truly believe, this is one of the times I'll say I believe, I believe out of his mind as to what is coming. Because when God says something, it's gonna to come to pass. Now, if you're deceived, you believe you can either work your way around it. Now, who's ever tried to talk God out of something? How did that go? Did that go good? I heard, I heard a testimony by Joyce Meyer, bless me, the dad just blessed me. And um, who in here loves Joyce Meyer? Say, thank God, amen. Thank God for what she's doing. And uh, which we were joking in the small, I thank God for what everybody's doing. Um, they're doing more than us on some things. We're doing more than others on other things. But you know what? But thank God they're there doing. And they're preaching the gospel. But I like Joyce. My mom loved Joyce Meyer. And that's one reason I thank God for her ministry. She said, that she, her, she had just started believing to do a home Bible study. And that's all, you know, that, that was her dream. I think that's amazing, that was her dream. A home Bible study and an international cassette tape teaching ministry. Well, who in here knows she's done well beyond that? Yeah. And I know, so I, yeah, I'll throw this out. A lot of people like to criticize. So years ago, I got to speak at a ministry in Nashville, Tennessee, and um, uh, it's called Mer um, Mer Mercy Ministries by Nancy Alcorn. It's a halfway house, great ministry. And while I'm sitting there, and, I'm, I, I, and I, I taught, I think, I did this like session thing, and I, I taught for like five hours straight almost. Well, three hours, then we took break, and we did another two, three hours. And so while we're sitting there, Carmen, the singer, came by and dropped off money. And while we're sitting there too, uh, Joyce Meyer had dropped off money. 
And there was a huge plank. And I said something, I said, I didn't know Joyce. She goes, oh, we thank God for Joyce. She says, we couldn't do it. She says, Joyce gives more money into this ministry. She said, we thank God. So everybody who loves to criticize the big names, when you start giving big money, you got room to criticize. Until then, hush. Can I have an amen? Well, I just don't like what they're doing. God didn't call you to criticize people. Amen. amen. God called you to build them up, lift them up, and pray for them. Maybe, the, maybe they ain't doing what they should be doing, but that ain't your job to judge yet. Can I have an amen? Who in here knows that's a side road? But man, I enjoyed traveling it. Can I have an amen? I mean, I enjoyed that trip. Okay, anyway. So she said the Lord began to deal with her about quitting her job, and she had a good job. In fact, she said, I made as much as my husband did. And she said, she, she told God, she says, God, I can't quit my job because we won't have enough money. But I will quit it, and I'm going to take a part-time job. So what's she doing? She's reasoning with God, arguing with God. So she got this part-time job. And she's just totaling along. Guess what? They fired her. And she said, I couldn't do anything right at that job. She says, I finally woke up and realized it was the will of God for me to study the word of God full time and to preach full time. Now, who in here knows that when God speaks, you have to obey? Amen. Come on, give me a better amen. amen. Now, let's say it this way. You should obey because you don't have to. God gives you will. But if you want the betterment for your life, you should obey. Whether it's big, whether it's small. I don't care what it is, obey it. And my favorite thing right now is the ark did not save mankind. Noah's obedience saved mankind. That ark was just a vehicle. Now, if you have your Bibles again, turn with me to Genesis chapter 12. This is the covenant. Everybody say covenant. Now, you know, in America, we don't really have covenant concepts. We have contractual concepts. Um, contractual concepts meaning we sign a contract. Now, you know, if you buy a house and you borrow money, or whether or not, even if you just, you know, whatever kind of business you do, in a contract, there's always the blessings and there's always the cursings. By that I mean, if you do this and such, we'll give you this and such, and you can have this and such. But if you don't fulfill the contract, we will arbitrate and we will sue and we will repossess, and we will take away, and thou shalt be homeless. Can I have an amen? Now, is that not true? Is that right? But covenant goes beyond that. Covenant is really something that is almost, it's actually considered unbreakable. One of my favorite stories on covenant, who's ever heard of the, the great missionary leader Stanley and Livingston? Well, Mr. Livingston had stomach problems, and they're, they're in the, what they called back then the dark continent. And again, this is before TikTok. Can I have an amen? So, so we didn't have TikTok of anybody doing anything. And, and people went to certain places. And if you was white, you died. Or if you were not of that tribe, you died. Forget white and black. If you weren't of the right tribe, you died. Well, somehow they got into this one king, and his name was Troinfoy. And um, Mr. Livingston had a goat because his stomach couldn't take food. And he had ulcers and stuff, so he would, uh, he would drink that goat's milk. And the king had a liking for that goat. And so the king approached Mr. Livingston and offered to make a covenant with him. Well, who in here knows that sounds pretty good? The king of this whole area? And this was the man. Again, and, you know, and this wasn't a republic or a democracy. Has everybody got me? This is the king. And if the king says, we go kill people, we go kill people. And if the king wants your goat, what do you do? So he gave him the goat. You know what the king gave him? 
a wooden staff. They said it had some kind of like copper wire or some kind of something around it and it kind of just, and, and Livingston said he was really frustrated by it. Here he is giving up his only source of nutrition and he gets a stick. Oh yay. I can't eat, you get my goat and I get a stick. But everywhere he walked and he held up that stick, people would sit and bow. Mr. Livingston never feared for his life again. You know why? Because he had a covenant with the king and nobody gave him trouble. And it was as if that man there who stood there was the king. And if we do anything wrong towards the king, the king comes because there's a covenant between them. Now see, we ought to have that concept. You know, in America, in fact, I, I, when I first moved to Georgia, Georgia shocked me. My mom and dad divorced when I was 10. I still remember this. In North Carolina, I don't know if it's true now. But back then, 76, you had to be divorced, uh, separated a year and a day legally to get a divorce. So your divorce might take a year and a half because you had to be separated a year and a day, but that doesn't count court time or when the court date is. So you just didn't go in and get, so I moved to Georgia and there was this couple that used to go to the church at Living Way and uh, he was, man, he was a brute. I mean, he was like a WWE wrestler, good looking guy. And she was like an Amazon goddess. She was about six feet tall, beautiful, I mean, model-esque. I mean, they were, they were a power couple. Does everybody got me? And after about six months or so, I started noticing him without her. And I thought, well, she must be working. Well, I mean, I'm talking six weeks. Here's another woman with him. And I looked at the pastor and I said, I, who is that? He goes, well, that's his new wife. I said, wife? I said, when did he, I said, who was the other girl? He goes, well, that was his wife. I said, brother, I said, when did they get divorced? He goes, Chris, this is Georgia. No contest divorce, 30 days. I said, do what? He said, if you don't contest anything, if you make an agreement, you can get the divorce in 30 days. Now, who in here knows that has no concept of covenant? Now, again, I'm not trying to preach anybody into, you know, and who in here knows divorce is not the great sin that was gonna cause you to go to hell? Can I have an amen? Now, I grew up with people like that. And there's, there's, a, there's, right, there's reasons for divorce. God actually put divorce in the Old Testament. Do you know that? There's an actual writ of divorcement in the Old Testament. And why did Jesus say people got divorced? Because the hardness of their heart. Well, who in here knows that's about the most truthful, honest thing Jesus ever said, quite possibly, about people. Hardness of heart causes divorce. And God loves people, so he did provide grace for that. But who in here knows when you have covenant, that's the very last option. That's not the first thought. That's, that's not the go-to when you have covenant. When you have covenant, you have a right of expectation from something and to something. And if you really love somebody and you love the covenant you're in, you don't mind doing it. <sighs> you know, I gotta go do this. One day, me and a friend, it was actually my kid's godfather, and uh, we were at a bounce house for his little boy's birthday. This is the Saturday before thanks, uh, uh, Super Bowl. And buddy, I'm telling you, this place is packed. I mean, there are lines to go do this bounce house thing. And there's a line to go do this trampoline thing. And this is in this big warehouse. There's a line to throw these little balls. I mean, and there's kids everywhere. There's adults everywhere. Man, I mean, there are more men than I have ever seen anywhere at a place like this. Usually it's moms. 
And I looked at him, I said, man, where's all these guys from? He goes, you don't know what they're doing. I said, what? He says, they're putting in time, baby. They're paying the bill. I said, for what? He goes, Super Bowl. He said, I promise you, every one of them guys, they got some plans tomorrow night to be hanging out with the boys. He said, they putting in the time today so their wife won't fuss at them tomorrow. I don't know if that brings conviction to anybody. If it does, God bless you. I don't know. If it doesn't, I don't care. Nothing wrong with it. But wait a minute. But who in here knows there's a little bit of justice to that? There's, a, there's some righteousness in that. You know, I mean, there's nothing wrong with somebody going off and enjoying the football uh, game with some friends. But who in here knows that at the same time? If there's a true covenant, you, she has a right to expect some things from you. Yeah. It's not one way. Covenant never goes one way. And in Genesis chapter 12, God finds himself a man by the name of Abram. It says here, now the Lord said to Abram, verse one, get out of your country from your father and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you, make your name great. You shall be a blessing. Verse three, I will bless those who bless you. I will curse him who curses you. And in all families of the earth shall be blessed. And everybody say amen. And that is the scripture upon which we support Israel. Right there, that's it, that's all it takes. You bless the house of Abraham, blessings come to you. You got a right to expect. Now that's why, and I've told some stories before where I've actually, in a way, dealt harsh with people. Some people would say it's harsh. I don't think it's harsh at all. I just think it's scriptural. But I've dealt harsh with people because they'll make comment. I'll say, well, this is gonna bring judgment on you. Well, why would you say that? Because I'm of the nation of Israel. I am of the house of Abraham. You bless me, you'll be blessed. You curse me, you'll be cursed. And that's one reason why I'm, I'm never going to curse Israel. Thank God for Israel. Amen. I heard a testimony the other day. I didn't know it. When the, the Hamas people attacked, and they did that in October, there were 30 uh, girls, females, who held off over 100 terrorists. And all of them were wounded or injured, but they killed over 100 men, 30 women. Can I have an amen? amen. You, don't, you, don't, you don't curse. In fact, my, my term paper, I still remember this, ninth grade term paper, I had to do a term paper. My ninth grade term paper was on the Israeli Six-Day War, 1967. I read more stuff on that stuff. I, I don't remember it all now. I knew when they went in, how Israel attacked, what happened to the Palestinians, what happened to the G, um, uh, Egypt, how Jordan messed up, Syria. I mean, in, uh, six days. You don't even have time to... Harley, make a plan for six days. Can I have an amen? It's over. And there are repeated, repeated, in fact, not long ago, I read a testimony of this happened in Israel, repeated comments of missiles being shot towards different uh, emplacements of, of Israeli soldiers, and they just blow up. Just blow up in the middle of the air. We don't know where. We don't know why. There were different testimonies of, of uh, Egyptian POWs who said the reason why they surrendered was that this whole host of armies behind this place. And they said, well, there were just so many men, we just had to give up. And when the eight people came out of the foxhole of the Israelis and took over the 200 men of the, uh, the Egyptians, guess what? There wasn't that whole army, but who in here knows there's angels? Why? I will bless them who bless you. I will curse them who curse you. See, it's important who you bless and it's important who you curse. I truly believe that's one reason I've always had good health is I don't curse people, especially ministers. 
I just don't like him. I mean, if I have to watch him one more time on TV, then here's an idea. Don't. Change the channel. Well, it just bothers me what they're doing. Well, I didn't know you were the potentate Holy Spirit of the gospel in the earth today. That all things have to make you happy. Well, I don't agree with them. Well, guess what? I don't agree with me 20 years ago. I don't. There's stuff I believe now I didn't believe 20 years ago. I've got grace in my life that I didn't have 20 years ago. Y'all would not want to know me 20 year, 30 years ago. You would not want to know me 30 years ago. I was a, uh, my opinion of me, I mean, I still, I was very good looking. Can I have an amen? I'll just throw that out. I had very good dark hair. I, I mean, I had black Elvis hair. I did have Elvis hair. I mean, it was like not, not, I even had a pastor's wife look at me and she goes, do you dye your eyebrows? I said, excuse me? She goes, I do hair. She goes, son, you have the pitchest black head of hair I've ever seen. I went, thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> she just laughed. But I was critical. I was judgmental. I was very legalistic. Very legalistic. That's the reason I can't stand legalism today. Cannot stand it. It just does nothing but choke the grace of God off in your life trying to judge everybody and it just ain't fair, Pastor Chris. I mean, I, I can't do that and they can do that. Well, guess what? Life ain't fair. Can I have an amen? Jesus, the Bible actually implies Jesus enjoyed John's company more than he did anybody else's. Well, that ain't fair. Well, here's another idea. Maybe John liked what Jesus liked a lot more than anybody else did. I'll throw this out about John. John's the only one who didn't, wasn't crucified. And he lived a long life, died an old man. At that time, I think he was almost 90 when he died. If I remember my history right, he was in his 80s at least. Well, you didn't live to that length of time back in that day, medically. You died early, because we didn't have all the stuff we have now. And so John, that doesn't seem fair. But who in here knows covenant's not based upon fair? And I don't know why God chose Abram, I really don't. I know the Bible does imply he chose him one reason is because he knew he would teach his children right. And he did teach Isaac right. And then Isaac had a problem with two sons, but, he got, but it got straightened out. Can I have an amen? And then they did teach all their other, and then it got down to Moses. And then Moses, I mean, Lord, Moses is a basket case. Can I have an amen? I mean, think of Moses. Moses is a deliverer, called a God. He, fought, he kills a guy, gets ran out of the country, didn't even do it. I mean, God could have chose many different ways to maybe deliver the children of Israel. And we don't know. I, I, I would love to have that conversation with Jesus. What was the way you really wanted to do this? And what ways did Moses screw it up? And because I want to know how, God, how the grace of God worked in that situation. Because I know there's been things I've screwed up and God still worked it out. Can I have an amen? amen. But what happened? Moses goes in there and he gets a rod, which speaks of what? Covenant. And he tells them, who sent you? I am. And then all of a sudden there's all these plagues come on and they leave with great majesty and great power. I mean, I mean, I mean, in fact, and this actually prophesied to, to um, Abram early, 400 years before, that when they leave, you will leave prosperous, but you will be held in bondage. I mean, that is prophesied to, to um, Abram. And this great prophecy takes place. Why? Because God made a covenant. Now, if you have your Bibles, I'm going to quote this one. 
I'm, I'm going to tell the story. But if you have your Bible, turn me to Psalms chapter 89. Now, Psalms chapter 89 is an interesting chapter. I said this last week, and it messes some people up. Because Psalms 89 talks about how God promised David that his lineage and his throne would last forever. And then within two, three generations of David, it's, it's, it's split. And then a few more generations after that, it's gone. The earthly kingdom. But see, who in here knows God is always dealing first with spiritual things. Because God is a spirit and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. So God always deals with spirit first. And that lineage of David is still here through the bloodline of Jesus, going all the way to Jesus, and now it still extends to us. And everybody say amen. amen. But this passage here talks about, if you read the whole 89th chapter, it talks about how God told them, you're gonna live forever. But what the psalmist didn't see as much, quite possibly, is the fact that God was talking spiritually and not just naturally. And I've said this before, Molly's even said it. It shook me to my core, and it made a lot of sense finally. I could not figure out why the Jews were so mad when I was a kid watching those movies about the crucifixion. Why are them Jews so mad at Jesus? Well, I mean, I mean, he's healing people. Raised one from the dead. I mean, why, why, why are we upset with that? Because their image of the Messiah was somebody who would set up an earthly kingdom. And then I used to sit back and think, why did the Romans hate him? What are they so upset about? Because they were afraid he was going to set up a earthly kingdom. Why? Because he was the king of the Jews. Well, there can't be any other king but Caesar. But again, what were they looking at? When, did, when Jesus looked at him and he said, listen, if you destroy this temple, I'll rebuild it in three days. Couldn't understand that as a kid, no matter what, because I'm thinking of rocks and mortar. Jesus wasn't talking about that. Jesus was talking about this. See, he was talking about spiritual. So God always deals with spiritual. And who in here knows the spiritual covenant's always more powerful than a physical covenant? Who in here knows that being saved is much more powerful than just being physically healed? Because here's the deal. If you can get saved, you can stay healed. But if you just get healed physically and you're not saved, you still don't have anything. What good is it? What good would it be to be physically well from birth to death and then go to hell for eternity? What's the goodness of that? I've never been sick a day in my life, but I'm going to pay for it for the rest of my eternity. In Psalms chapter 89, this is verse 30. It says, if his sons forsake my law and do not walk in my judgments, if they break my statutes and do not keep my commandments, then I will punish their transgression with the rod, their iniquity with stripes. Nevertheless, my loving kindness, I will not utterly take from him, nor allow my faithfulness to fail. Now see, that's the part sometimes that people miss when they want to say that maybe God, the word contradicts itself. God's always graceful. He's always gracious. He's always loving. He's always long-suffering. And everybody say amen to that. He loves you. Say it with me. He loves me more than I know, more than I deserve, more than I'll ever understand. I don't get that sometimes. Why? He loves any of us. Let's be honest. Especially our in-laws. Can I have an amen? Okay. Or, or, or especially some other people. Whatever. I mean, like, how could he love them? But he does. And so the psalmist here says, nevertheless, uh, my loving kindness, I will not utterly take from him, 
nor allow my faithfulness to fail. But verse 34 says, my covenant I will not break nor alter the word that has gone out of my lips. It is impossible for God to change his covenant. He has committed to that. Now again, the people who like to say the scripture contradicts itself, there's one time almost he did. Do you remember that? He got mad at the children of Israel, said, I'm gonna kill everybody and start over with you. Now that technically, in a sense, wouldn't have been technically destroying everybody because if he'd started over with Moses, he still would have had Moses' life and lineage to deal with. But Moses actually looked at him and he said, well, that's not what you promised. And this is the Chris Von Paraphrase Bible edition. He said, uh, that's not what you promised. He said, in fact, if you do that, all the nations around here will say you brought us out here just to be down, just to kill us. And the Bible says God repented. And ever since then, he's got this verse. He has marked what he said. He will not change what he said. And his covenant with you, he will not alter. Now that's a powerful statement. Oh, well, I might can alter it. Well, who cares about what we can do? Can I have an amen? I'm more concerned with what he can do. I found out if I stay consistently focused on what he can do, what I can do or can't do falls by the wayside because all things are possible to him who believes. Believes what? Believes that he is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. And everybody say amen. We can believe that. If we can stick to that, why? Because we have covenant. And that covenant speaks. It's just like that rod that, that Livingston held up. It speaks. It's just why the same reason why I have that scripture. Now, again, let's talk about Abraham for a moment. You go back a few, uh, he has this covenant. God reestablishes this covenant. He goes to Egypt, gets scared of the Egyptians, lies, tells him, Sarah is his sister, which she was his half-sister, so it's, not, it's only a half-lock, okay, whatever. So he tells him, and, and, then, and then he gets out of that. Him and Lot are so blessed. Lot has to choose the, the, the plains that go down towards Sodom and Gomorrah, and he does, and it vexes him. Then there's this whole thing where he has this army and Lot is taken away and his family are taken hostage. And there are these four kings that are fighting five and they kind of get whooped up on and that's when Sodom and Gomorrah get looted. So Abram goes with, I think it's 316, 318, only 300 men and he whips all those kingdoms and gets all the stuff back and Lot and their family then he meets the priest of Melchizedek, which I love to point this out. Pastor Chris, I just don't know if tithing's New Testament. It ain't. I'll throw this out. It wasn't even Old Testament. It was pre-law. Because Abraham gave the, the, priest of, uh, uh, the, the, the priest of Salem, Melchizedek, gave him a tenth of all. It goes before that. And then the, the king of Sodom said, listen, let me just, you, you, you take what you want. You know, he makes this whole idea. And Abram says, listen, he says, the God of heaven and earth has blessed me. This is my paraphrase. He says, I will not let it be said that anybody made me rich, but God Almighty himself. In fact, he says, the God, the possessor of heaven and earth, God is my source. You're not my source. Why? He's not in covenant with the king, the king of Sodom. He's in covenant with God. Why did the kings of Israel usually get screwed up they went into covenant with other kings and not with Jesus himself or the heavenly father, Jehovah. That's when you always get messed up. I just like being open to what everybody has to say. Not when you're in covenant. Now, I like what everybody has to say in here. 
I like what my kids have to say in here. But I have covenant with one person in here, in this building today. Ultimately, that's Lisa. And I have covenant with y'all as church. You know what I'm saying? I mean, there's different levels of covenant. But I mean, I look at Lisa sometimes, and I remember one time, well, I don't know which kid this was. I'll probably beat the snot out of for saying something like this. I should have if I didn't. Can I have an amen? I can see y'all are kind of questioning that comment, but it's irritated me. They said, well, you always side together. I said, that's right, because I'm not gonna let you build a wedge between us. I'm not about to get played by an eight-year-old or a 12-year-old or a 16-year-old because when you're gone, she's all I've got. So no, I don't care near as much about you as I do her. Oh, Pastor Chris, that's terrible to say that to a kid. No, it ain't, because that's my covenant. I've told people before, joking, I learned this from another pastor. I love everybody in here. Can I have an amen? I love everybody on this earth. But you try to hurt Lisa Vaughn, and you're going to meet the Lord. Can I have an amen? That's all there is to it. You try to hurt my kids, you're going to meet the Lord. Try to hurt one of my church members and I'm there, you're going to have a really bad day. I'm not going to feel bad about it at all, because I have a covenant. I have to watch my flock. I have to protect my sheep. You want to get me ticked off and mad at people? Take advantage of people in my church. Can't stand that. I've had that happen in the past. Can't stand that. I told a lady one time, she was in an abusive relationship. I said, I promise you, you'd let me know. I said, he will never do that again. What are you going to do? I said, that's my business, not yours. She said, you're scaring me, Pastor Chris. I said, I ain't trying to scare you. I said, I'm just telling you straight. I said, I am going to protect you. I'm just never going to talk to you about this again. I said, whatever you want to do. I said, but if you ever want to stop, I'll make it stop. And she goes, what will you do? I said, I have no idea, but that's not your problem. I said, you're the sheep of my pasture. I said, I'm going to protect you. Well, Pastor Chris, don't you believe you should walk in love? I am walking in love. But I'm going to love every minute of protecting her. Can I have an amen? And I'm going to hurt inside with grief because I have to do this. Who in here has ever said this to your kids? This will hurt me more than it hurts you. Only a parent can understand that. Is that right? And it does hurt. One time Molly, see what time is, one time Molly and Sarah Beth both had done something. I told them I was going to spank them. And we did. I did. Well, let me, I tried. So I put, told Sarah Beth to stay downstairs and I went upstairs and I told Molly, and I was trying to do that whole, you know, let's talk about it for a moment. Let's understand where, and she was like seven. Let's understand what we did wrong. No, 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 she was four. Let's understand, Sarah Beth was seven. Let's understand what we did wrong. Let's have that moment. Let's have the discipline. We'll pray, we'll hug. Guys, I never laid a hand on her. The moment I would start doing something, Molly would start, and she, who in here knows she's dramatic? She starts screaming and she's wailing and ah, ah, ah. that goes on for 30 minutes. I never laid a hand on her. I go downstairs to say something to Lisa. She is mad. I cannot believe you'd be so abusive to our daughter. I'm like, I ain't touched her. I have not laid a I hadn't done anything. Sarah Beth's over in the corner, almost in a catatonic state of fear because she knows she's next and she's just heard Molly scream for 30 minutes, blood curdling tears. I hadn't touched her. Lisa was mad at me for a couple days until she went to spank Molly. And then she came back. I was out of town. So she says, I am so sorry I ever doubted you. She is so manipulative. I said, yes, she is. 
So why did me and Lisa stick together? Covenant. So even after Abraham has this great, great rescue of Lot, God meets with him one day and says, listen, I got something I want. And I know this is gonna be hard, but we got covenant. I want you to take your firstborn child. Now this totally goes against Jewish law or Jewish tradition, human sacrifice. And you have to sacrifice him to me. But now when it's covenant, you do it. Now the Bible says Abram in Romans had perceived in a vision or a dream that God would raise him from the dead. So his conviction that God would obey his covenant to bless him, to give him seed, and that his seed would be like the stars of the sky and the sand of the sea, that conviction was huge, supremely strong. And who in here knows the story? One of the most beautiful things about the story is, and I love this, it says he takes Isaac. And Isaac, if you, in fact, there's a movie called The Only Son, The First Son. Some of us went and saw it at uh, The Only Son. That's a good movie. But it actually brings out, which is true. Um, you know, most movies actually, I used to show Isaac being this little kid, eight, nine, 10 years old or something. And Isaac wasn't. Isaac was older. But I loved where Abraham looked at the men who went with him and it says he grabbed some wood and he grabbed some, some fire and he says, the lad and I will return. Buddy, that's faith to tell everybody the lad and I will return and you know in your heart you're about to go up here and gut him and burn him. But there was covenant. So they get up there and if you look at it, in fact, it is Genesis chapter 17. I'll give you this verse here. So you can look it up. This is Genesis, um, I'm sorry, 20, make sure I say this right. 22, verse 18. And it's the phrase where Isaac says, you know, where's the lamb? And in the New King James Version, it says here in verse eight, my God, son, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering. If you look it up in the Hebrew, it says, God will provide himself a lamb for the burnt offering. And who in here knows God did eventually provide himself as a lamb spotless for the burnt offering. But who in here knows at this moment, Abram don't know that. But he just knows that God's gonna provide the lamb. And he gets all the way at the point, holding that knife and ready to go. And the angel says, stop. And I'm talking, cry every time I think about this. Abraham, covenant with God, did not withhold anything from him. And God on the other side never withheld anything from Abram. Somebody says, well, God so loved, I'll throw this out too. God not only loved us, he gave, God was obligated. His covenant partner didn't hold anything back. So God wouldn't hold anything back. That's why God will never alter it. That's why it'll never change. Abraham's covenant and seal was so tight, so steadfast. Think about this. Had anybody ever heard of being raised from the dead in Genesis? Nobody. There's no TikTok, no Facebook, no Instagram saying, you know, I've been resurrected. You know, there was a, there was a guy, he'd been dead for three days and Jesus walked over him. There was no none of that. 
But yet he perceived in a vision, why? Because God had been faithful in his money, God had been faithful in his herds, God had kept him safe in Egypt, God had protected his men, 300 against five kings, God had kept doing all these things. So if he can do that and he's promised this, then that must be true too. Everybody say covenant. So God so loved all of us. Now here's something about covenant. There's an exchange. The king, King Troynfoy, he got the goat. Livingston got the sword. So what does Jesus get out of us? If you will, the only sin that was ever put to Jesus' account is mine and yours. Is that right? He bore the sins of man. And the only righteousness you, me and you will ever have is his. That's the exchange. Well, we get eternal life. What does God get out of us? You ever thought of that? I really think about this thing about this for a minute. What does God get out of us being in relationship with him now? Like, I just got to spend time with some of my nieces, great nieces and nephews. So these are not my nieces and nephews. These are the kids of my nieces and nephews, which ain't right. Can I have an amen? Okay. That these kids are now having children. And now there's a bunch of children. There's a lot of children to the point that me and my brother-in-law's we just go outside and leave them inside. Our excuse, it's hot inside. The noise is just, kids running around, Jackson's doing this, they had Nerf guns. I mean, they're, I mean, you know, they're just being loud. I don't mean this wrong. I did not enjoy that part of the festivities last night. But I do if I love them. And I'm, I'm just making sure, you know, I'm, I'm constantly checking. I'm looking at them, you all okay? This okay? Y'all need anything and stuff? And all of a sudden, I noticed Jackson running. And Jackson's running through the house. And I found out he was a monster. And he was attacking his two second, third cousins, whatever that is. Having the time. And then he had this Minecraft hammer that shot darts. He looked like little Thor. And he's just running around. But seeing him enjoy himself enjoyed made me blessed but what else did God get something else out of it because God's a spirit he's not flesh God is a spirit and he has no body God is a spirit and has if you will almost no right to speak on this earth because to operate on this earth you have to have a body so what does God get when you become a part of him he gets you to be his voice on this earth and change it. Amen. That's a good bargain for him. Especially when we realize that we're in bargain with, that that, 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 that that purchase of us helps us get the kingdom of God in effect more. Well, I just, I just, I just wish somebody would preach to so-and-so. Well, preach them. Me, me and Lisa, we, we stopped on the way up there Saturday or Friday, and we stopped at a, a Sam's in Athens, Georgia. God bless the dogs. Can we have an email? Okay, whatever. And they lost and they should have lost. And so we stopped at this Sam's. And there's a guy in a wheelchair. Come to find out was um, paralyzed in uh, the Gulf War in uh, 01 or 02 or something, you know, 30 years ago. And he's, and he's witnessing. And he tells me and Lisa this great uh, poem he wrote. And then he told another one about angels he wrote. That's what he's out there doing. That's what God wants us to do. Well, I wish somebody would do that. Then do it. You are his representative on this earth. Well, I wish somebody would prophesy to my life. Then you prophesy to it. 
Why? Because you have coveted that he said he will neither alter nor break. Well, maybe it just ain't the will of God to heal me today. No, I have covenant. Well, Pastor Chris, I've stood for years and I hadn't seen it. Abraham did too. In fact, when God showed up to him in Genesis 12, he was 75. And he was 24 years later, whenever he saw God again, and he changed his name, and it was a year after that. So it was 25 years he stood on the promise he would be the father of many nations. I'll throw one else better. Now, it's kind of hard for us to compete with God, but God gave a promise, a prophecy, that her seed will bruise your head at the garden. That's at least 6,000 years ago. This thing to um, Abram is somewhere around 4,000 years ago, maybe 5,000 years ago. And we know that the promises in the birth of Jesus was about 2,000 years ago. God is still waiting for the culmination of the end of times from the book of Revelation for all the judgments to be poured out and for Jesus to be anointed and placed and it no be no debate that Satan is defeated, he is exalted and the kingdom of God is, has no more problem with Satan. Can I have an amen? And he's still standing for that and he ain't seen it yet. So who in here knows that just because you can't see it doesn't mean you don't inherit it. In fact, here's one of the neatest things about, if, if you read, I, I saw this last night, I hadn't seen it, I hadn't thought of this in years, but I remember hearing the thing about years. In my Bible, it actually says Canaan, I'm mean, sorry, Abram inherits Canaan. And you know all that took place is God took him up and said, look all around, I'm gonna give this to you. Yet the Bible's notation says that he inherited it at that moment, and that's true. That's when he inherited it. But just because you have an inheritance doesn't mean you're always walking in it just yet, but you still have an inheritance. So don't you ever let Satan talk you out of that inheritance. Why? Because he will try. Why? Because he wants you to look at everything that you can and he wants you to get off that covenant because that covenant, God will not change. If God has said it, you stick to it and you hold to it and you don't give up on it. I would rather die quoting scripture, believing for healing or provision or whatever, then pull my back on any of it. Well, I just, I just don't know how I could say that in the face of adversity. Well, the patriarchs did. Elisha did. Who's ever read Fox's Book of Martyrs? They did. Abused and tortured for the gospel. When people, and if there's ever a time and it's gonna get worse. I've heard it all my life, but it is. If you're a Christian and people talk about the great falling away, there'll be more fall away, why? Because to be a Christian and to say you're a Christian is gonna get our, it's gonna get, people are gonna say something. But who in here knows when you know covenant? You gotta know covenant. I'll close with this, and again, I was on a plane one time and this person made a comment, and this is right after 9-11. Everybody's real touchy. And uh, I don't know how I look, uh, but I've always been, almost, I'm almost always pulled for security. And on this flight, I had been pulled for security. Patted down in front of everybody on the plane, right at the gate, me and 10 other guys. I'm having to hold my pants up because they had my belt off. And I, when I say a full pat down, full, can we have an amen? And I get in there and I'm sitting down and I didn't care. I just glad to be on the plane. Glad to be going on my trip. I had to fly to LA that night. Flying a red eye. First time I'd ever got to do that. So I was looking forward to it, what the experience would be like. And uh, I'm sitting there and 
everybody gets all quiet and, you know, they're doing the whole uh, seat belt and oxygen mask thing and it gets real quiet. And somebody makes a comment about something and flight attendant walks by and I, I'm on an exit row, which they used to didn't charge you for, but they do now. That's so evil, kind of having an amen. And I, I had that exit row. And she walks over and she says, are you comfortable with having to open the door and direct people out? I said, honey, I can throw people out of this plane. I said, that's fine with me. I said, I'm good. And she said something else. And I said, honey, I said, I ain't worried about anything. I said, in fact, I don't even care if there's a terrorist on board this ship. I said, if he is, I hope he's sitting within 12 feet of me. And I said this loud. I said, because if he is and, the, and it, something goes off and something happens and this plane goes down, I said, I don't care what happens. I said, I'm going to be with Jesus. I said, in fact, I just assume him be sitting beside me so I go to Jesus quick because I don't want to be at the crash site in agony for hours or days. I said, because Jesus is Lord. I said, but I ain't going to die on this flight. I said, I don't know about y'all, but this seat will bounce out of a cornfield if it needs to be because we ain't flying over water to LA. Don't you love that? Why do y'all do that? This is a flotation device. We're going over the Salt Lake Flats. I mean, I don't understand this. So I, I, said, I said, but this, this seat will fly, uh, bounce. She said, why? I said, because I'm married, I got a wife, I got two kids, and I dwell in the secret place of the Most High. No evil will come nigh my dwelling. And she leans over, and, I, and I'm not, at that point, I'm more to her. And she leaned over, she goes, I'm a Christian too. And she goes, I believe exactly that. I said, I'm not gonna die before my time. And my time ain't up. Well, I just don't wanna say something like that. Why? I just read in Proverbs chapter four, that if I make wisdom my aim, in my right hand are length of days. And in my left hand is what? Riches and honor. So shouldn't I be said, that's my covenant. The next time somebody looks at you and says, man, you just seem to have it made. You know what you ought to do? Say, well, thank God because of Jesus Christ I do. God is good. I'm anointed to win, empowered to prosper, and impossible to curse. I mean, Jesus is good. I promise you this, if you'll talk more about the covenant than anything else, you'll have more faith in the covenant than all the other stuff that happens. Because God is able to meet your needs. Can I have an amen? And I'm saying all that to say this as we close. That covenant is what brought Jesus on this earth. And if God Almighty, our Heavenly Father, Jehovah God, moved all the stuff around prophetically, events, timelines, think about that. You gotta have, you gotta have shepherds in a certain place. That was prophecy. You gotta have these wise men doing a certain thing. Now, who in here knows there was that fourth wise man who brought a fruitcake and he wasn't written down. Can I have an amen? We know that, that it was not right. I love that joke. I just got it this from here. And so you got all this stuff that God himself had to do and so here's the point. If God did all that because of a covenant with Abraham to bring Jesus to this earth, to save you and to bring you salvation, why should we ever doubt the covenant of God Almighty? On any promise he has given us, why? We should never. Because God has proven himself faithful in one thing. He loves you and will move heaven and earth to get whatever needs be to prove it. Amen. And thank God for Abram. There's a lot of people I want to see in heaven. Abram's one of them, Abraham. 
I want to meet him. To believe God Almighty when no one else had. In the land of Ur, which was a part of Babylon and was an ungodly town. In fact, if you study uh, Mesopotamian history, Babylonian history, it was very common to believe in multiple gods. It was very uncommon to believe in one. So that means Abram left all his traditional thinking and claved to one new revelation. There is one God. Nobody believed that back then. That's a huge thing of faith. faith. And that level of covenant and God's level of covenant brought Jesus on this earth just for you. And every promise he ever gave you is yours. And anytime Satan wants to tell you it's not, remind him of this. Abraham didn't hold back his son. God didn't hold back his son. And I get the blessing of both sons. Is that not right? We're part of the the body of Abraham. The Bible says we're the faith of Abraham. And we're also got the blood of Jesus. So we have both blessings. Amen. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you so much for your goodness and your grace in this day. Father, right now, with nobody looking around, we just pray for everybody. Everybody here, everybody watching. That, Father, salvation would come to them. That they would walk in the knowledge of relationship of the Lord Jesus Christ. That they would not ever, ever walk away from you. And that in Jesus' name, they will walk in relationship. Father, right now, I'm just prompted. To we, Father, we thank you for healing for Greg Welburn and his body. That you bring healing. We command sickness and disease to leave his body. We thank you for healing in Teresa's body. And in Jesus' name, by your covenant, which you have promised as a yes and amen, that your promises are yes and amen. We receive that, Father. And thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Right now, Father, for anyone who's watching that doesn't know you, we ask, Father, that they open themselves up. Thank you, Father, that you take away the blinders from their eyes so that they can see the light of the glorious gospel. In Jesus' name, Father, we thank you for salvation to not only individuals, but to families at this time. And Father, for all the cards that are in my notebook over there, we thank you, Father, right now that your power is at work in them. We surround them with faith. We surround them with hope. We surround them with love. And we thank you, Father, that conviction is working on them. The Holy Spirit is working on every name, on every card. And you are bringing salvation to homes in not only this month, but all next year, Father, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And everybody says amen. And turn and look at somebody and say, I believe. God is good. And Christmas is two weeks and one day from today. And I will be ready. Amen. I will be ready. Amen. I know that might be a statement of faith for some of you because you'll forget about it. Just don't be as dumb as me on Christmas Eve and go to Walmart to buy AA batteries. Can I have an amen? I did that one year. Stupid. You know why I did it? Because I wanted to be a good steward and save my money and not waste money at that convenience store on the corner. That could I could have walked in and gotten home an hour and a half earlier. Can I have an amen? But I was being a good steward over $3. And um, I was foolish. A couple things coming up uh, this coming Wednesday night. We will be having, oh, second Saturday prayer was last night. Thank you for everybody who came. Uh, me and Lisa weren't here. We were uh, again with family. And um, uh, Women Empower Women, first Saturday of, um, the second Saturday? Second Saturday of um, 
next month. Um, I don't know what the date of that will be, but it's the second Saturday of January. Did it say first? Back it up. I want to see. I thought I said second. Back it up. Oh, by Saturday. I thought that was second. Who in here knows we should wear the glasses when we read the slides? Can I have an amen? Okay, first Saturday. Let's go on to the next slide. Let's put them back on. Uh, oh, I know this one. Every Wednesday night, 7.30 online. Uh, this coming week, we'll be finishing up the book of Jude and uh, pick up something else next the next week. And small groups every Sunday morning, 9.45 to 10.30. Although today, this week, we went really long. Uh, Lonnie would not stop talking. Can I have an amen? I just, I hate, I hate to throw rocks and Lonnie and Henry. Henry, would, they would just not stop talking. And I'm just saying, we had a great time. That's, in fact, I, I probably enjoyed the last 30 minutes as much as I did any of it. That was, that was good. And um, always a great time. Amen. Everybody stand up with me, if you will. I don't know what you have planned today. Enjoy yourself. Be at peace. If you are mad at somebody, uh, don't worry about it until tomorrow. Can I have an amen? Um, they'll still, if they're mad at you, they'll still be mad tomorrow. So don't worry about it. And uh, just enjoy today. Amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine upon you. May the Lord be gracious unto you and give you his peace because you have a covenant with God. Amen. And you're anointed to win, empowered to prosper, and impossible to curse. And we'll see you next week. Amen. Hey, there is a, who's, who's seen the previous?